Chapter Twenty One of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty One, some transactions in scalps. History would be a very orderly affair could the dry as dust historians have their way, and doubtless it would be thrillingly romantic at every turn if the novelists were able to control its current fortunately neither one nor the other has much influence and the result in the long run is that most novels are shockingly tame while the large body of history is loaded down with picturesque incidents which if used in fiction would be thought absurdly romantic and improbable were our simple story of old vincennes a mere fiction we should hesitate to bring in the explosion of a magazine at the fort with a view to sudden confusion and by that means distracting attention from our heroine while she betakes herself out of a situation which although delightful enough for a blessed minute has quickly become an embarrassment quite unendurable but we simply adhere to the established facts in history owing to some carelessness there was indeed an explosion of twenty-six six-pound cartridges which made a mighty roar and struck the newly installed garrison into a heap so to say scattering things terribly and wounding six men among them captains bowman and worthington after the thunderous crash came a momentary silence which embraced both the people within the fort and the wild crowd outside then the rush and noise were indescribable even clark gave way to excitement losing command of himself and of course of his men there was a stampede toward the main gate by one wing of the troops in the hollow square they literally ran over beverly and alice flinging them apart and jostling them hither and yonder without mercy of course the turmoil quickly subsided clark and beverly got hold of themselves and sang out their peremptory orders with excellent effect it was like oil on raging water the men obeyed in a straggling way getting back into ranks as best they could ventre bleu squeaked oncle jason if i didn't think the whole world had busted into a million pieces he was jumping up and down not three feet from beverly's toes waving his cap excitedly but wasn't i scared yah 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 vive la bannière d'alice roussillon vive georges vassindin hearing alice's name caused beverly to look around where was she in the distance he saw father beret hurrying to the spot where some of the men burnt and wounded by the explosion were being stripped and cared for hamilton stood like a statue he appeared to be the only cool person in the fort where is alice miss roussillon where did miss roussillon go beverly exclaimed staring around like a lost man where is she dunno said uncle jason resuming his habitual expression of droll dignity she shot a-past me just as that thing busted loose and she went like her a hummin bird skitch just that way and i didn't see her no more cause i was skeered mighty nigh inter seven feets spect that splosion blowed her clean away ventre bleu never was so plumb out in breath and dead crazy weak a bein afeard lieutenant beverly roared clark in his most commanding tone go to the gate and settle things there that mob outside is trying to break in the order was instantly obeyed but beverly had relapsed once more his soul groped in darkness while the whole of his life seemed unreal a wavering misty hollow dream and yet his military duty was all real enough he knew just what to do when he reached the gate back there at once he commanded not loudly but with intense force back there this to the inward surging wedge of excited outsiders 
then to the guard shoot the first man who crosses the line zif me voici moi gaspard roussillon laissez-moi passer messieurs a great body hurled itself frantically past beverly and the guard going out through the gateway against the wall of the crowd bearing everything before it and shouting back fools you'll all be killed the powder is on fire zif run wild as a march hare he bristled with terror and foamed at the mouth he stampeded the entire mass there was a wild howl a rush in the other direction followed and soon enough the esplanade and all the space back to the barricades and beyond were quite deserted alice was not aware that a serious accident had happened naturally she thought the great rattling crashing noise of the explosion a mere part of the spectacular show when the rush followed separating her and beverly it was a great relief to her in some way for a sudden recognition of the boldness of her action in the little scene just ended came over her and bewildered her an impulse sent her running away from the spot where it seemed to her she had invited public derision the terrible noises all around her were she now fancied but the jeering and hooting of rude men who had seen her unmaidenly forwardness with a burning face she flew to the postern and slipped out once more taking the course which had become so familiar to her feet she did not slacken her speed until she reached the boursier cabin where she had made her home since the night when hamilton's pistol ball struck her the little domicile was quite empty of its household but alice entered and flung herself into a chair where she sat quivering and breathless when adrienne also much excited came in preceded by a stream of patois that sparkled continuously the fort is blown up she cried gesticulating in every direction at once her petite figure comically dilated with the importance of her statement a hundred men are killed and the powder is on fire she pounced into alice's arms still talking as fast as her tongue could vibrate changing from subject to subject without rhyme or reason her prattle making its way by skips and shies until what was really uppermost in her sweet little heart disclosed itself and oh alice rené has not come yet she plunged her dusky face between alice's cheek and shoulder alice hugged her sympathetically and said but rené will come i know he will dear oh but do you know it is it true who told you when will he come where is he tell me about him her head popped up from her friend's neck and she smiled brilliantly through the tears that were still sparkling on her long black lashes i didn't mean that i had heard from him and i don't know where he is but-but they always come back you say that because your man because lieutenant beverley has returned it is always so you have everything to make you happy while i-i again her eyes spilled their shower and she hid her face in her hands which alice tried in vain to remove don't cry adrienne you didn't see me crying no of course not you didn't have a thing to cry about lieutenant beverley told you just where he was going and just what but think adrienne only think of the awful story they told that he was killed that governor hamilton had paid long hair for killing him and bringing back his scalp oh dear just think and i thought it was true well i'd be willing to think and believe anything in the world if rene would come back said adrienne her face now uncovered showing pitiful lines of suffering oh alice alice and he never never will come 
alice exhausted every device to cheer encourage and comfort her adrienne had been so good to her when she lay recovering from the shock of hamilton's pistol bullet which although it came near killing her made no serious wound only a bruise in fact it was one of those fortunate accidents or providentially ordered interferences which once in a while save a life the stone disc worn by alice chanced to lie exactly in the missile's way and while it was not broken the ball already somewhat checked by passing through several folds of father beret's garments flattened itself upon it with a shock which somehow struck alice senseless here again history in the form of an ancient family document a letter written in eighteen twenty one by alice herself gives us the curious brace of incidents to wit the breaking of the miniature on beverly's breast by a british musket-ball and the stopping of hamilton's bullet over alice's heart by the indian charmstone which shows the goodness of god the letter goes on and also seems to sustain the indian legend concerning the stone that whoever might wear it could not be killed unquestionable mr hamilton's shot which was aimed at poor dear old father beret would have pierced my heart but for that charmstone as for my locket it did not as some have reported save fitzhugh's life when the musket-ball was stopped the ball was so spent that the blow was only hard enough to spoil temporary the face of the miniature which was afterwards restored fairly well by an artist in paris when it did actually save fitzhugh's life was out on the illinois plain the savage longhair peace to his memory worked the miracle of restoring to me here a fold in the paper has destroyed a line of the writing the letter is a sacred family paper and there is not justification for going farther into its faded and in some parts almost obliterated writing but so much may pass into these pages as a pleasant authentication of what otherwise might be altogether too sweet a double nut for the critic's teeth to crack while adrienne and alice were still discussing the probability of rene de ronville's return m roussillon came to the door he was in search of madame his wife whom he had not yet seen he gathered the two girls in his mighty arms tousling them with rough tenderness alice returned his affectionate embrace and told him where to find madame roussillon who was with dame godard probably at her house nobody killed he said in answer to alice's inquiry about the catastrophe at the fort some of em hurt and burnt a little great big scare about nearly nothing zif my children you should have seen me quiet things i put out my hands this way comme ça pouf it was all over the people went home his gestures indicated that he had borne back an army with open hands then he chucked adrienne under the chin with his finger and added in his softest voice i saw somebody's lover the other day over yonder in the indian village he spoke to me about somebody eh ma petite que voulez-vous dire oh papa roussillon we were just talking about rene cried alice have you seen him i saw you you little minx jumping into a man's arms right under the eyes of a whole garrison bah i could not believe it was my little alice he let go a grand guffaw which seemed to shake the cabin's walls alice blushed cherry red adrienne too bashful to inquire about rene was trembling with anxiety the truth was not in gaspard roussillon just then or if it was it stayed in him for he had not seen rené de ronville it was his generous desire to please and to appear opulent of knowledge and sympathy that made him speak he knew what would please adrienne so why not give her at least a delicious foretaste 
surely when a thing was so cheap one need not be so parsimonious as to withhold a mere anticipation he was off before the girls could press him into details for indeed he had none there now what did i tell you cried alice when the big man was gone i told you rene would come they always come back father beret came in a little later as soon as he saw alice he frowned and began to shake his head but she only laughed and imitating his hypocritical scowl yet fringing it with a twinkle of merry lines and dimples pointed a taper finger at him and exclaimed you bad bad man why did you pretend to me that lieutenant beverley was dead what sinister ecclesiastical motive prompted you to describe how long hair scalped him ah father the priest laid a broad hand over her saucy mouth something or other seems to have excited you mightily my fille you are a trifle impulsively inclined to-day yes father beret yes i know and i am ashamed my heart shrinks when i think of what i did but i was so glad such a grand joy came all over me when i saw him so strong and brave and beautiful coming toward me smiling that warm glad smile and holding out his arms ah when i saw all that when i knew for sure that he was not dead i-why father i just had to i couldn't help it father beret laughed in spite of himself but quickly managed to resume his severe countenance ta ta he exclaimed it was a bold thing for a little girl to do so it was so it was but it was also a bold thing for him to do to come back after he was dead and scalped and look so handsome and grand i'm ashamed and sorry father but-but i'm afraid i might do it again if-well i don't care if i did so there now but what in the world are you talking about interposed adrienne evidently they were discussing a most interesting matter of which she knew nothing and that did not suit her feminine curiosity tell me she pulled father beret's sleeve tell me i say it is probable that father beret would have pretended to betray alice's source of mingled delight and embarrassment had not the rest of the boursier household returned in time to break up the conversation a little later alice gave adrienne a vividly dramatic account of the whole scene ah mon dieu exclaimed the petite brunette after she had heard the exciting story that was just like you alice you always do superb things you were born to do them you shoot captain farnsworth you wound lieutenant barlow you climb on to the fort and set up your flag you take it down again and run away with it you get shot and you do not die you kiss your lover right before a whole garrison bon dieu if i could but do all those things she clasped her tiny hands before her and added rather dejectedly but i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't kiss a man in that way late in the evening news came to roussillon place where gaspard roussillon was once more happy in the midst of his little family that the indian longhair had just been brought to the fort and would be shot on the following day a scouting party captured him as he approached the town bearing at his belt the fresh scalp of a white man he would have been killed forthwith but clark who wished to avoid a repetition of the savage vengeance meted out to the indians on the previous day had given strict orders that all prisoners should be brought into the fort where they were to have a fair trial by court-martial both helm and beverley were at roussillon place the former sipping wine and chatting with gaspard 
the latter of course hovering around alice after the manner of a hungry bee around a particularly sweet and deliciously refractory flower it was raining slowly the fine drops coming straight down through the cold still february air but the two young people found it pleasant enough for them on the veranda where they walked back and forth making fair exchange of the exciting experiences which had befallen them during their long separation between the lines of these mutual recitals sweet fresh echoes of the old old story went from heart to heart an amabean love-bout like that of spring birds calling tenderly back and forth in the blooming maytime woods both captain helm and m roussillon were delighted to hear of longhair's capture and certain fate but neither of them regarded the news as of sufficient importance to need much comment they did not think of telling beverly and alice jean however lying awake in his little bed overheard the conversation which he repeated to alice next morning with great circumstantiality having the quick insight bred of frontier experience alice instantly caught the terrible significance of the dilemma in which she and beverly would be placed by longhair's situation moreover something in her heart arose with irresistible power demanding the final the absolute human sympathy and gratitude no matter what deeds longhair had committed that were evil beyond forgiveness he had done for her the all-atoning thing he had saved beverly and sent him back to her with a start and a chill of dread she thought what if it is already too late but her nature could not hesitate to feel the demand of an exigency was to act she snatched a wrap from its peg on the wall and ran as fast as she could to the fort people who met her flying along wondered staring after her what could be urging her so that she saw nobody checked herself for nothing ran splashing through the puddles in the street gazing ahead of her as if pursuing some flying object from which she dared not turn her eyes and there was indeed a call for her utmost power of flight if she would be of any assistance to longhair who even then stood bound to a stake in the fort's area while a platoon of riflemen those unerring shots from kentucky and virginia were ready to make a target of him at a range of but twenty yards beverly greatly handicapped by the fact that the fresh scalp of a white man hung at longhair's belt had exhausted every possible argument to avert or mitigate the sentence promptly spoken by the court-martial of which colonel clark was the ruling spirit he had succeeded barely to the extent of turning the mode of execution from tomahawking to shooting all the officers in the fort approved killing the prisoner and it was difficult for colonel clark to prevent the men from making outrageous assaults upon him so exasperated were they at the sight of the scalp oncle jason proved to be one of the most refractory among those who demanded tomahawking and scalping as the only treatment due long hair the repulsive savage stood up before them stolid resolute defiant proudly flaunting the badge which testified to his horrible efficiency as an emissary of hamilton's it had been left in his belt by clark's order as the best justification of his doom tell me hack his damned head oncle jason pleaded i just hankers to chop a hole into it and besides i want his scalp to hang up with mine and that of the indian what scalped me he kicked me in the ribs the stinking vermint beverly pleaded eloquently and well but even the genial major helm laughed at his sentiment of gratitude to a savage who had best but relented at the last moment for alice's sake and concluded not to sell him to hamilton it is due to the british commander to record here that he must positively and with what appeared to be high sincerity denied the charge of having offered rewards for the taking of human scalps 
he declared that his purposes and practices were humane and that while he did use the indians as military allies his orders to them were that they must forego cruel modes of warfare and refrain from savage outrage upon prisoners certainly the weight of contemporary testimony seems overwhelmingly against him but we enter his denial longhair himself however taunted him with accusations of unfaithfulness in carrying out some very inhuman contracts and to add a terrible sting volunteered the statement that poor barlow's scalp had served his turn in the place of beverley's with conditions so hideous to contend against beverley of course had no possible means of succouring the condemned savage him a-kickin your ribs clean inter ye and a-makin ye run the gauntlet and here ye are a-tryin to save his life whined oncle jason why man i thought ye had some sentiments dast his injun liver i can feel them kicks what he guv me till yet ventre bleu que diable voulez-vous clark simply pushed beverley's pleadings aside as not worth a moment's consideration he easily felt a fine bit of gratitude at the bottom of it all but there was too much in the other side of the balance justice the discipline and confidence of his little army and the claim of the women and children on the frontier demanded firmness in dealing with a case like longhair's no no he said to beverley i would do anything in the world for you fitz except to swerve an inch from duty to my country and the defenceless people down yonder in kentucky i can't do it there's no use to press the matter further the die is cast that brute's got to be killed and killed dead look at him look at that scalp i'd have him killed if i dropped dead for it the next instant beverley shuddered the argument was horribly convincing and yet somehow the desire to save longhair overbore everything else in his mind he could not cease his efforts it seemed to him as if he were pleading for alice herself captain farnsworth strange to say was the only man in the fort who leaned to beverley's side but he was reticent doubtless feeling that his position as a british prisoner gave him no right to speak especially when every lip around him was muttering something about infamous scalp buyers and indian partisans with whom he was prominently counted by the speakers as clark had said the die was cast long hair bound to a stake the scalp still dangling at his side grimly faced his executioners who were eager to fire he appeared to be proud of the fact that he was going to be killed one thing i can say of him helm remarked to beverley he's the grandest specimen of the animal i might say the brute man that i ever saw red white or black just look at his body and limbs those muscles are perfectly marvellous he saved my life and i must stand here and see him murdered the young man replied with intense bitterness it was all he could think all that he could say he felt inefficient and dejected almost desperate clark himself not willing to cast responsibility upon a subordinate made ready to give the fatal order turning to longhair first he demanded of him as well as he could in the indian dialect of which he had a smattering what he had to say at his last moment the indian straightened his already upright form and by a strong bulging of his muscles snapped the thongs that bound him evidently he had not tried thus to free himself it was rather a spasmodic expression of savage dignity and pride one arm and both his legs still were partially confined by the bonds but his right hand he lifted with a gesture of immense self-satisfaction and pointed at hamilton indian brave white man coward 
he said scowling scornfully long hair tell truth white man lie damn hamilton's countenance did not change its calm cold expression long hair gazed at him fixedly for a long moment his eyes flashing most concentrated hate and contempt then he tore the scalp from his belt and flung it with great force straight toward the captive governor's face it fell short but the look that went with it did not and hamilton recoiled at that moment alice arrived her coming was just in time to interrupt clark who had turned to the waiting platoon with the order of death on his lips she made no noise save the fluttering of her skirts and her loud and rapid panting on account of her long hard run she sprang before long hair and faced the platoon you cannot you shall not kill this man she cried in a voice loaded with excitement put away those guns woman never looked more thrillingly beautiful to man than she did just then to all those rough stern backwoodsmen during her flight her hair had fallen down and it glimmered like soft sunlight around her face something compelling flashed out of her eyes an expression between a triumphant smile and a ray of irresistible beseechment it took colonel clark's breath when he turned and saw her standing there and heard her words this man saved lieutenant beverley's life she presently added getting better control of her voice and sending into it a thrilling timber you shall not harm him you must not do it beverley was astounded when he saw her the thing was so unexpected so daring and done with such high imperious force still it was but a realization of what he had imagined she would be upon occasion he stood gazing at her as did all the rest while she faced clark and the platoon of riflemen to hear his own name pass her quivering lips in that tone and in that connection seemed to him a consecration would you be more savage than your indian prisoner she went on less grateful than he for a life saved i did him a small a very small service once and in memory of that he saved lieutenant beverley's life because because she faltered for a single breath then added clearly and with magnetic sweetness because lieutenant beverley loved me and because i loved him this indian long hair showed a gratitude that could overcome his strongest passion you white men should be ashamed to fall below his standard her words went home it was as if the beauty of her face the magnetism of her lissom and symmetrical form the sweet fire of her eyes and the passionate appeal of her voice gave what she said a new and irresistible force of truth when she spoke of beverley's love for her and declared her love for him there was not a manly heart in all the garrison that did not suddenly beat quicker and feel a strange sweet waft of tenderness a mother somewhere a wife a daughter a sister a sweetheart called through that voice of absolute womanhood beverley what can i do muttered clark his bronze face as pale as it could possibly become do thundered beverley do you cannot murder that man hamilton is the man you should shoot he offered large rewards he inflamed the passions and fed the love of rum and cupidity of poor wild men like the one standing yonder yet you take him prisoner and treat him with distinguished consideration hamilton offered a large sum for me taken alive a smaller one for my scalp long hair saved me you let hamilton stand yonder in perfect safety while you shoot the indian shame on you colonel clark shame on you if you do it alice stood looking at the stalwart commander while beverley was pouring forth his torrent of scathing reference to hamilton 
and she quickly saw that clark was moved the moment was ripe for the finishing stroke they say it is genius that avails itself of opportunity beverly knew the fight was won when he saw what followed alice suddenly left long hair and ran to colonel clark who felt her warm strong arms loop round him for a single point of time never to be effaced from his memory then he saw her kneeling at his feet her hands upstretched her face a glorious prayer while she pleaded the indian's cause and won it doubtless while we all rather feel that clark was weak to be thus swayed by a girl we cannot quite blame him alice's flag was over him he had heard her history from beverly's cunning lips he actually believed that hamilton was the real culprit and besides he felt not a little nauseated with executing indians a good excuse to have an end of it all did not go begging but long hair was barely gone over the horizon from the fort as free and as villainous a savage as ever trod the earth when a discovery made by oncle jason caused clark to hate himself for what he had done the old scout picked up the scalp which long hair had flung at hamilton and examined it with odious curiosity he had lingered on the spot with no other purpose than to get possession of that ghastly relic since losing his own scalp the subject of crown locks had grown upon his mind until its fascination was irresistible he studied the hair of every person he saw as a physiognomist studies faces he held the gruesome thing up before him scrutinizing it with the expression of a connoisseur who had discovered on a grimy canvas the signature of an old master sac bleu he presently broke forth well i'll be look here george clark come here and look ye've been sold again take a squint if ye please colonel clark with his hands crossed behind him his face thoughtfully contracted was walking slowly to and fro a little way off he turned about when oncle jason spoke what now jason a mighty heap right now that's what come here and let me show ye you're a fine sort of idiot now ain't ye the two men walked toward each other and met oncle jason held up the scalp with one hand pointing at it with the index finger of the other this here scalp come off in rene de ronville's head and who is he who's he ye may well ax that he was a frenchman he was a fine young feller o this town he killed a corporal o hamilton's and tucked her the woods a month or two ago hamilton offered a lot o money for him or his scalp and long hair went in for gettin it now ye knows the whole racket and ye lets that injun go and that same injun he mighty nigh kicked my ribs into my stomach oncle jason's feelings were visible and audible but clark could not resent the contempt of the old man's looks and words he felt that he deserved far more than he was receiving nor was oncle jason wrong rené de ronville never came back to little adrienne boursier although being kept entirely ignorant of her lover's fate she waited and dreamed and hoped throughout more than two years after which there is no further record of her life clark beverly and oncle jason consulted together and agreed among themselves that they would hold profoundly secret the story of the scalp to have made it public would have exasperated the creoles and set them violently against clark a thing heavy with disaster for all his future plans as it was the release of long hair caused a great deal of dissatisfaction and mutinous talk even beverly now felt that the execution ordered by the commander ought to have been sternly carried out 
a day or two later however the whole dark affair was closed forever by a bit of confidence on the part of oncle jason when beverly dropped into his hut one evening to have a smoke with him the rain was over the sky shone like one vast luminary with a nearly full moon and a thousand stars reinforcing it up from the south poured one of those balmy accidental wind floods sometimes due in february on the wabash full of tropical dream hints yet edged with a winter chill that smacks of treachery oncle jason was unusually talkative he may have had a draught of liquor at all events beverly had little room for a word well being as it's twixt us as his bosom friends the old fellow presently said i'll just show you something party he pricked the wick of a lamp and took down his bunch of scalps i have been a addin one more to keep company o mine and t'others he separated the latest acquisition from the rest of the wisp and added with a heinous chuckle visons long hairs and so it was beverly knocked the ashes from his pipe and rose to go when they kicks your oncle jason's ribs the old man added they jest as well lay down and give up for he's going to salivate em then after beverly had passed out of the cabin oncle jason chirruped after him maybe you'd better not tell little alice the poor little girl if it were enough End of chapter twenty one